0: Good day and welcome to episode 115 of the Stag Roar. This one's an absolute honour. I speak with Vinny Todorich. He's the man behind um, Fitness Confidential and also behind uh, the Fitness Conf- Confidential podcast, the, mo- the movie Fat, a documentary, which is absolutely epic. Thoroughly recommend you watch that documentary. I'll get into a little bit of a point about that documentary when when we get into the, the podcast and, and it's something that should you should really take note of um and that's around the critique it's it's quite fascinating um and vinny is just basically a legend tells it like it is no holds barred and that's why he's not to be messed with so I hope you enjoy this episode check out his film check out his podcast check out his book um and yeah enjoy this podcast with Vinny Tauderich.
1: If I go You're a minute or two over that's fine. <laughs>
0: Kia everyone. I am absolutely honoured. I'm speaking with Vinnie Torterich. It's on the east coast of the States. Uh, what have you got there? coffee, tea?
1: A coffee. It's, uh,
0: it's about 6
1: o'clock uh, p.m. here and uh, have, having some coffee. And, you know, that, that whole thing about, oh, some people can't drink coffee late in the day. I'll have it at 10 o'clock at night after dinner and fall right to sleep, no problem.
0: Mate, um, you're a special person. I'm, I'm the opposite. This, is, this will be my last coffee of the day at midday and that's mostly yeah. so that you know get in the groove of, of this conversation mate um how i usually start is to ask people what have you, what were you up to last weekend and you've been doing a little bit of traveling around is that right
1: yeah uh last week i was uh that's right i was in los angeles i had to go there to do dr okay. drew's podcast and Adam of podcast and uh, I was there for two days and then I visited a buddy there and then I went to Louisiana and stayed there for four days and here we are you know so it was like a, a big long extended weekend
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah mate um in the, for those that don't know who you are the documentary fat in that you you know you, you speak about a couple of guys in, in, media, in media and new media and and all that sort of stuff and that you have the example of how. Uh, large media can manipulate the population so easily and you were basically on Oprah to be a setup or well, what was was that your first time ever seeing behind the veil <laughs>
1: <laughs> well the Oprah thing was interesting because uh, <laughs> I see you laughing but it was a funny thing uh, I wasn't laughing at the time but I, I knew you know Oprah was popular back then. It was the early '90s, and she was popular. And I knew obviously, obviously, everyone knew who she was. Uh, I knew she had one of those daytime talk shows. I had never seen it at <laughs> all. I, I just knew about her from interviews, and every yeah, you know, she was like this pop culture name you would hear. And a friend of mine said, "Hey, we would you know someone dropped out of this Oprah show? They need a guy like you." And my first question, and pretty much my only question, and maybe I should have had more questions, but <laughs> I said, why do they need me? And she said, oh, they, they, they're doing an ex, ex, expo, uh, expose on guys, younger guys who are dating older women. A- at the time, the term cougar didn't exist, mm-hmm. right? This was like the early 90s. And I had a girlfriend that was several years older than me. She was like six, seven, seven years older than me. But if you had seen, if you had looked at us side by side, I've always looked older. She looked younger. No one would have ever thought that we were like seven years apart or whatever. Might have been eight years, but no more than that. I'm, I'm going to go with seven years. And you know, when you're in your mid-30s, everyone looks about the same age. I guess I was about 30, and she was like 37. I mean, that's not a big deal, right? Right, yeah. Well, I get to the show, and I I have a girlfriend. Well, we had kind of broken up, but we were, we were seeing other people, and we were still close friends and the whole thing. And I was going to mention that on the show, too. and go, yeah, I just broke up with this girl, but we, you know, I, it was a great relationship. and I get there and they said, this is going to be your girlfriend on the show. And I was like, huh, what? <laughs> yeah, this woman right here. And I'm 31 and she was like in her 50s. And very nice woman, yeah, nothing wrong with her. She, her name, I don't even think it was a real name because she, her name was Doe, like <laughs> Doe, a deer, a female deer. And I even asked her, I said, could you spell that? And she was like, D-O-E, Doe. Anyway, okay, I can't. I'm thinking to myself, that can't be your real name. Mm. And I said, well, Doe, no, I'm not going to walk on stage and lie and say that we're in a relationship, not on national television. I don't lie in general. Why would I lie on national television? Right? And she said, listen, you know, we have this organization where younger men date older women, and my boyfriend just broke up with me. It's going to look weird. And I said, look, I can't help you. And The producers were going what's the problem here and this and that so I don't know who was in on it and who wasn't in on it but um they asked me if I would at least sit next to Doe on stage and I said sure I'll sit I don't care where you have me sit but I'm not gonna lie Hmm. and as soon as the show started we were the first two people they introduced Doe they said Doe introduce your guy And you can see me in the film. We put it in my movie, Fat, a documentary. I'm like staring straight ahead and going, "Okay, uh, I've just been had. She's introducing me. She's Vinny. He's friendly. He's very personable. He's a great guy. And, And I'm like sitting there going, really? You're doing this? You're going with this? Right? And, you know, here's the funny thing, and no one knows this. You're the only one that's going to know this. (laughs) Uh, There were like five or six other couples on the stage. I never watched this show for 20 years. I I, I had a copy of it. I never watched it. I was very embarrassed by it. And I was watching it before we did the movie. I watched the whole thing through. There was another guy down the row of people. When they got to him, the woman's introducing – him as her boyfriend, he does like this head snap and looked at her and he looks back at the camera and he's looking back and forth going, huh, why, what did she just say? You know, so he. there was another guy on that stage besides me that was being bamboozled, you know? So it was It was strange that yeah. day,
0: yeah. Uh, it was. I think it was like the, the greatest example of uh, this shit ain't real. <laughs> and you probably know that but yeah <laughs> well, you, you can't make that kind of stuff up yeah you know
1: people said hey why did you throw oprah under the bus in your movie and i was like, "Well, why did oprah throw me under the bus you know <laughs> you know i was the guy being thrown under the bus yeah. you know, oprah's this big powerful woman but she had no problem just throwing some guys up on stage and let's be honest some of these women at the time, you know, it would have been like a circus freak for a 30-year-old guy to be with like a 55-year-old woman. When I looked at it all those years later, I went, oh, my God, it was even worse than I thought, Hmm. you know? And I think I said this in a movie. I I said, you know, I didn't know how daytime television worked. I always worked for a living. I said, I'm going to make this episode so bizarre that they won't possibly be able to run it on national television. Well, it was exactly the opposite. (laughs) It became one of the top-rated Oprah shows of all time. And as of the making of the movie, it was number seven. Of all the Oprah shows, when you think of Oprah, thousands of shows.
0: Giving away cars and trips. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, giving away cars. Tom Hanks jumping up and down on the couch and all that. Yeah. This was number seven. (laughs) Think about
0: that. Yeah. That's That's crazy, right?
1: Yeah. So... That's the Oprah
0: story. Uh. Nice. But the, the question I ask is, why do you make the film? Because, like, and I just did something really interesting. I went on and I sort of thought, well, maybe it's my confirmation bias or something. But, you know, and even even Pete Evans's film, The Magic Pill, got a bit of stick. Yeah. If, if you want to go conspiracy, this, the sanitarium-funded APRA went after him a little bit, and you can see why. But, I just Googled fat, a documentary debunked and there's nothing. (laughs) Well, (laughs) why do you, why do you make the documentary? And then why do you think people have sat on their hands about this? Because it's great. It's it's a great documentary.
1: (laughs) uh, Look, I I thought more people would come after me. Yeah. And I I think the reason no one's come after me, first off, I'm the only guy that the vegan community is afraid of. Um, because I don't, I don't play fools very easily, right? Mm. So, most people, you'll get some of these doctors, and they'll go on, you know, television or podcasts against other vegans. And these doctors are too nice, and these vegan guys will come after them and go after them. And these guys aren't media savvy.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, the word about me in the vegan community is, leave him alone, because you don't want him coming after you. He. He knows us better than we know ourselves. They, they figured that out about me. Um, I, I can't brag about very many things, but I know about the vegan community. I know about the fruitarians. I know about all of it. I know where they live. I know what they do. They know I know that, and they're like, just let him go. Because the last thing we need is to give him a, a, a second. You know they say the sound of one hand clapping makes mm. no noise. If they want to offer that other hand, I'll start clapping real loud. And they do not want that, number one. Now, number two, did you watch? Obviously, you watched my movie, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay. I, uh, over here in New Zealand, uh, I got it just through iTunes. I think it was like 10 it was so weird. Yeah. yeah, it's great, right? And the thing that I did differently that no other movie
1: is done, you know, when the vegans put a movie out, they make it so fantastical, and they don't offer any proof. Sometimes they'll have Kip doing what, conspiracy, or the, he'll be doing what the hell? and he'll have a piece of paper in his hand like this, right? I'm holding a piece of paper for your audience. And he'll walk up to an authority, and he'll go, I have this piece of paper right here that says you're killing people. It's written right here on this piece of paper. I, I have a study right here. And they're going, huh, what? You have a what? I, I haven't had time to read, what you have. What are you talking about? That's one of those things that people do when they don't have substance. Yeah. Another thing uh, you'll notice that they do in their videos is they they'll say we tried to call, uh, the, the we tried to call the uh, ADA or the AHA, and they'll show like a speakerphone and they're dialing, and no one picks up and they're going we tried to call them, no one answered. Yeah. That's such hacky filmmaking, right? And the other thing is they'll get a poor secretary on the phone that's just answering the phone, and they'll go, is this the AHA? And she'll go, yeah. And they'll go, why, why are you killing people? And the person on the other line will go, who would you like to speak to? I want to know why you guys are killing people. And that's the way they do films. It's <laughs> not real films. They're lying to people. Or they'll take a megaphone. That's my other favorite thing. They'll take a megaphone and go yell at a building. You know, hey, why are you killing people? Yeah, you know, that's I mean, schlock. we just want to talk
0: to someone. <laughs>
1: you know, want, why would you let us in? Because you're a nut job, that's why they won't let you in, <laughs> right? So, they do all this schlocky stuff. So, I decided not to do any schlock. Number yeah. one, not to take anything away from the magic pill because I like that guy, he's been on my podcast. Um, yeah. what's his name? Pete, uh, help. Pete, Pete. Pete. yeah. yeah. Pete's a great guy. As a matter of fact, he called me and thanked me for my film. He he, uh, he wrote to me. I said, "Pete, come on a podcast." Pete did a great job, but they left the door open for criticism, yeah. right? They didn't. You know, the difference with my movie is, we say something and then we put we we show it. We put it up on the screen and go, "Look, here it is."
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And I even have narrators. I have my wife narrating pieces of it, and a guy named Mike Dawson narrating the rest of it. Here is history. Here's what happened. Here's the proof. Mm. Everybody thought the Seventh-day Adventists were going to come after me, (laughs) including our mutual friend. um, uh, uh, um, Say again? Brian Sanders or Gary Ficke? Gary Ficke. Gary Ficke. Barry Belinda. They were like, get ready. Get ready. They didn't come after me because – I told the truth. If they come after me, they know I'm just going to go because I have an audience. That, you know, that We get hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people on my podcast. If they came after me, they know I'll just go on the podcast and talk about it. Nobody wants that. No. They don't want the truth to be out there, and I'll just keep telling
0: the truth. That's why I'm not scared of them. <laughs> nice. On, on on Gary, and like you say, the Seventh Day just coming after you, and again, that goes to the, the APRA going after Pete Evans, um, the weirdest thing about Gary and Belinda is, you know, Seventh day Adventists actually quote Belinda's research as saying, yeah, we influence um, medical messaging. See, Belinda Fitke has found this out about us. It's just like the, the, the weird, and, and I also think about Seventh day Adventists, you know, yeah, they're trying to convert people to veganism, but that's not their goal. Their goal is to convert people to Seventh day Adventism. Yeah. They're, play, they're playing such a long game. I wonder how successful this this movement is from veganism to Day Adventism. <laughs> I,
1: I have no idea what they're going after, but they've been going after it ever since uh, Ellen White back in the 1860s decided, we're going to go after it. You know, we're, we're going to do this. And the church went, okay. You <laughs> know, and, and they're hooked to Kellogg's and the big, you know they're hooked to big food, and they own a lot of media. So who knows what their end game is? Yeah, you know, I, I have no idea.
0: Makes yeah. no sense. No, no, and, and it's like you know you hear about uh, China and stuff playing long game technically, and and then if you find out that hey, Seventh Day Adventists are well set up in China as well, and and sort of run their medical system, and and you know the soy system is Seventh Day Adventist based in China, researched in China. China to study, for example, like it's, it's the connections are really weird.
1: <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, and the way they do studies is even more bizarre. You know, they'll say, Oh yeah, we studied these blue zones. Mm. Well, all of those blue zones that they picked were cherry picked, you know, uh, it, it's just crazy. Like one of them was down in Loma Linda, California, where mm. all the seventh day Adventists are. And they went, Okay. These people are healthier. Okay, you're talking about a bunch of boring people that don't drink, smoke, or do drugs. Did you mention that in your report? Oh, no, you you left that part. That's very convenient. You left that part out. You know? And when they talk about, you know, Eisenhower, you know, getting a heart attack, and, and Ansel Keys saying, oh, it's because he ate meat. They left a part out that he smoked literally, they know for a fact at least three packs of cigarettes a day, but they think it was four. Okay, that's a lot of cigarettes every day. (laughs) The the guy's waking up in the morning and putting a a, a cigarette in his mouth, and they're they're continuing all day. Think about that.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess I guess. But get back to my question: Why why do the film? Why why be that? You know, voice that nobody wants to take on. (laughs) I I. I,
1: I I didn't think the film was going to happen. Yeah. I I did not want to do the film. I didn't set out to do a film. Um, Everyone, every time, you know, like Forks Over Knives would come out, uh, you know, I was living in Hollywood and people would come to me and go, you need to do the opposite of Forks Over Knives. And I went, why me? Well, because you live in Hollywood.
2: (laughs) Okay.
1: I'm not a filmmaker. And then, yeah, another movie will come out, like Cowspiracy or uh, you know Game Changers. Well, Game Changers came out after my movie, but, you know, what the hell. And, and every time a movie comes out, everyone would go, you need to do the opposite movie. And I kept saying the opposite movie won't make a difference. It, it'll just be lying in the opposite direction. I would like to do the real
2: movie,
1: mm. the actual movie of here's where we are, here's how we got there without lying in either direction, right? And um, then I said, the only way I could get money is if I could get, like, the beef industry or maybe the milk people or, you know, dairy industry or something to get behind me. I don't have the money to do it. And I refuse to take money from any of those people because the first thing the vegans are going to say is, of course he said beef is good for you. The beef industry paid for this piece of crap. So I had all of these problems in front of me that helped me stop from doing the movie. I did not want to do it. So I came up with all these weird parameters.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, enter Peter Pardini, who was just coming off of a big documentary um, about the band Chicago, you know, the musical group. And, yeah, yeah. you know, he he was getting all kinds of accolades. And he had been following my NSNG diet and losing a ton of weight. and he met me at the Adam Carolla show and he said, Hey man, um, would you, would you do this? And I said, Pete, I don't have the money, the wherewithal, none of it. I'm just not going to do it. He said, why don't you crowdfund it? The only reason I said yes to crowdfunding was I was absolutely certain that I would not get the money and then we can make this whole thing go away. (laughs) I know it sounds weird, right? It's like, (laughs) I I was, <laughs> it was kind of like the movie producers, where yeah. you got to, you know, we're gonna, it's gonna, we're gonna make it so bad that it's gonna close before it opens. I wanted to prove to everyone that nobody would give me money, so we put this outrageous goal of on, on uh, not Kickstarter on uh, Indiegogo of hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I said, okay, if we get a hundred and fifty, I will start this movie, mm. right. Well, we didn't get 150. We got a quarter of a million. And and all of a sudden, I was like into this. I was like, oh, my God, all these people are giving us money. Oh, my God. And now we have a quarter of a million dollars that's in my bank account. And I'm going, okay, (laughs) this is scary because these people gave me their money. And I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, it's like I have to go make something now. And (laughs) if you know anything about me, I don't know how well you follow me, Ryan, but I don't do things halfway. If I'm going to do something, it's going to be all the way. So I walked into my shed. You know, most people would walk into their office. I walked into my shed, and I started making shotgun shells. Because Mm -hmm. when it's time to make a movie, the first thing you need to do is make shotgun shells. And I know that sounds weird, but I had to make shotgun shells because well, number one, I like to shoot a lot, but more importantly, when I do that, I, my brain relaxes because it's mindless work. Yeah. And I got Peter Pardini in that shed. He had a a notebook. And while I was making shotgun shells, we were talking, I just relaxed and he was relaxed. It was 105 degrees in there, Fahrenheit. And, uh, he was like, all right, yeah, I said, we got to have this in it. We have to talk about that. He was saying, yeah, we must do this and we must do that. And we, within two or three shotgun shell pressing sessions, we had the whole map of what we wanted to do, who we wanted to talk to, and so on and so forth. And then we had to figure out how to shoot all of it on the budget because a quarter of a million dollars is not a lot of money to do the the style of movie we did. I called in a bunch of Hollywood favors. P, um, uh, Pardini called in a ton of Hollywood favors. We just called in a bunch of favors, got a lot of people to work for cheap, for way cheaper than they would have worked. And we, we did a movie that would have normally have cost 750000 or maybe even a million dollars mm. for, you know, a little over a quarter of a million dollars. I had to put some of my own money in at some point to finish it. But um I think it shows. There's a girl from your country, uh Marianne
0: D Demar- do you know oh, she's from Australia, Damasi. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um she saw the movie, we showed it at low carb Houston, and I knew she was out there. I never met her before. And there was a dinner after that, and, and she came and sat next to me and said, How did you do it? Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, How did I do what? She said I I was told you made this movie for a quarter of a million dollars. And I said, yeah. She said, how? Because apparently she's been in television and production for a long time. ABC, yeah. She goes, there's no way possible to do what what I just saw for that amount of money. How did you clear all of that stuff? How did you get people to work for that? I mean, you had cameras zooming in and pulling out, and and you had sets and the whole thing. I said, you know, I just stretched a dollar. That's all it is to it. We just we really worked hard and really stretched a dollar, you know,
0: and um,
1: that's how we did it.
0: Yeah. And I, I listened to you talking to uh, Brian Sanders on, on his podcast and, and they, were, they were talking about the um, hotel room that you, that you kitted out. And, and of course Brian was like, wow, <laughs> I wish we could have done that. <laughs> yeah, we, um, I think
1: Brian was shooting, he's doing a movie too and he was shooting a movie in another room. So. To, to let your audience know what we're talking about.
0: Sorry, yeah. The yeah. best
1: way to save money is to find a convention where a lot of you people are going to be. Yeah. And so we, we knew they were going to all be in San Diego. So I went down there. Brian Sanders went down there. Uh, I didn't even know he was there until, like, the first person who walked in. Because we went in. It was like the A-team. I, I took an, an actual Hollywood crew down there. And they walked into this room, and you know how everything in a in a hotel room is bolted to the walls, right? It's like zzz, 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 zzz. They, they dismantled the entire room. <laughs> they turned the um, the bathroom into um, the uh, sound village. The another corner of the room was the video village, and we had a full sound crew in there. A full uh, we had a, a a director, a photographer. Uh, a camera uh, director of photography we had all of this stuff we had key grips you know we had a whole setup in there we had the lights and everything that's why it looks almost three dimensional when you see these interviews right and uh, the first person who walked in there and came inside the curtain they went Jesus Christ (laughs) I was like huh And they they said, yeah, I just came from another guy who's doing a movie. I was like, who else is doing a movie? They like, I don't know his name. I said, I don't know. He's in another room over there. I thought they were not telling me his name on purpose. And uh, he just kind of had a cell phone on a stand in the middle of a room. And I I sat on the bed or whatever, you know, something like that. And I was like, oh, no, we, we have a full thing. And by the time the third person came in, and said, oh my God, what's going on here? And I said, let me ask, uh, you went to someone else's room? And they said, yeah. And I said, what were they doing? And it's like, yeah, uh, just kind of like one camera and on a little stand or something. And yeah, I don't know, uh, they weren't offering us makeup and all the stuff you're offering, you know. We we had a makeup person, we had everything, you know, and um, wardrobe, (laughs) if they wanted to change their shirt or whatever. And uh, I said, who is this other guy? And it was the second time I heard, his name is Brian. Uh, honey, what was his name? You know, that kind of thing. It's like, oh, Brian Sanders? Yeah, that's the guy. And that's when I, I went, oh, I know Brian. Tell him I said hi. And, of course, we didn't see each other the whole time because I was in a room and he was doing a- my movie, and he was in a room doing a movie. <laughs> so that's kind of how it worked. Yeah. Um, but we ended up doing a second day of shooting at my house, uh, that's where we got Jim Abrams to come there. Nina Teichos came to the house. Uh, uh, Dr. Drew Pinsky came to the house. A bunch of them came to the house because, you know, and we just had to fly them in, you know. Mm-hmm. We flew them all in, and one after the other, we just knocked them out in a 15-hour day.
0: Mm. Um, so with Nina and, and, and of course, Gary Torbs mm-hmm. you know, The great thing about them is this sort of journalistic background and it's, here's the story, this is what happened, like you said in the movie, was was that in your original plan of these two have written the story, they've written the history, we've got to get this in there, or, or was that sort of one of the things that developed?
1: No, um, everybody you see in the movie was in the original script. There was one vegan doctor that I had signed up because I wanted to have a vegan represented. And um, she, she had to do surgery. She's a surgeon, and mm-hmm. she couldn't make it. And uh, so we got everybody we wanted. You know, I knew you know when I was in there making the shotgun shells, it's like, I want Gary. You know, We're going to ask Gary these questions. We're going to ask. That's what that whole thing was. We're going to ask Nina, you know, I tried to play to everyone's strength. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted Dave Feldman in a movie. And, and I didn't try to hide the fact that he's a, an engineer, right? He's yes. not a medical guy. You know, most people would try to hide that and try to play it off as, saying, like, no, here's an engineer. And same with Ivor Cummins.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, here's a scientist who figured out what science couldn't figure out. Um, <laughs> so all of that meant something to me. Yeah. Right. You know, every person in that movie, it wasn't like we just went to that convention and just grabbed people. We, there was a lot of people we didn't grab at that convention. I'm not going to mention names, but and it was only because we knew what we wanted. We figured we had 90 minutes to tell a story, uh, even down to Dr. Georgia Ede, because Mm -hmm. I wanted to have something about the psychological component in there. And I knew Georgia Ede could deliver those goods, you know, and, and boy, did she. Mm -hmm. you know um, so yeah everybody in the movie you know I think everybody thinks I'm somewhat of a goofball and it's like oh yeah this guy just kind of gets on his podcast and tells you know dick jokes and then throws a little fitness in Um, but everything I do is is fairly measured you know all the way down to and and, and I think that's why that movie came out the way it did Um, I'm a fairly measured guy I know what I want I know how I want it and then when you mix that with Peter Pardini who's like a drill sergeant (laughs) <laughs> then you put two two idiots together who you know we're like this is what we want this is how we want it no one's going to tell us any otherwise yeah. um and now the whole world is asking what we're going to do next and i'm going i'm not a filmmaker so <laughs> i don't yeah you know, i'm gonna go fishing i guess i don't know i didn't want to do this in the first place i only did it because i got
0: you there know. Basically made to. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, give me another quarter of a million dollars, I go make another movie. You know, <laughs> I don't think I could do it for that price next time. I I, I couldn't call in those favors again.
0: Yeah. So, um, what did you decide to leave out, basically?
1: I wish I could have talked to a um, hmm, couple of vegan doctors. Um, yeah, you know, that, that would have been nice because I, I wasn't going to hammer these guys. I was just going to hear it from their perspective. I wasn't going to get these zealots. I, I wasn't interested in getting someone that was going to come in and just, you know, tell lies. Uh, so I wish I could have gotten someone who would just tell the truth. That was almost impossible. Um, I, In my heart of hearts, I wanted to tell Gary Fetke's story, but um, I felt like Tim Noakes' story was told mm. once. You know, uh, Tim was one of the early guys. I've done over 1,500 podcasts. Kim, Tim came on in the first 40 shows.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I wish I could have brought him in. I think if I do anything else, I would bring Tim Noakes in. Um, there was a different storyline that I, I, I could have gotten out of Nina that I know about, that, but I'm, I'm kind of saving it in case I do another one. Um, I, I think there's a – you know, when it comes to Nina and Gary, Nina Teichas, Gary, Gary Taubs. There's more story there. These people are very well studied. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have been good to get more out of them. As a matter of fact, I actually got more out of Nina. I just didn't use it in the movie. got you know, I gotta, I, we could do another whole movie right now off of the outtakes. Mm-hmm. And it would probably be just as good. You know, but we used what we need to get the narrative going in one direction.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. I, mean, I don't
1: like,
0: have chance but yeah absolutely yeah. Um, so how I came across you was, was through Twitter and do you you say that the sort of vegans don't want to give you a, a platform, what about people like uh, Kevin Hall and Stephen Guillain, do they, do they bother trying to have an argument with you as they tend to do with everybody else <laughs> who, who are we talking about again? Uh, Kevin, Kevin Hall I think it is Is he, one of the guys that uh, Nusi involved um, and Stephen Guernet was the person that Gary tob's you know, one of one of Joe Rogan's three sort of variously failing debates that he had.
1: <laughs> um, Kevin Hall, let me look him up. Um, I'm going to
0: look him up. He's, he's a, quite, a, quite a proponent of the Kellering, Kellering Out model. Um,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know that guy. Um <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. You know, I look at these guys, and I—they—they—they—they they, they, they all leave me alone. If they ever want to debate me, I'd be more than happy to debate them. But mm-hmm. it wouldn't be in their best interest. No. Um, calorie and in, calorie out. I mean, come on, that didn't work in the seventies. Why would it work now? <laughs> it never worked You know, I, I mean, I can. You know, it's like which model do you want to take? Let's take Weight Watchers, which is calorie and calorie out to their own admission it doesn't work Hmm. it only works while you're on it as soon as you go back to eating normally whenever you decide to stop starving yourself you gain weight again right so why would anyone do that Hmm. you know you know everyone oh yeah i lost 100 pounds how weight watches when i put 120 back on how i stopped doing weight watches (laughs) you know uh if, if you took your car or as you guys would call it, your lorry, down the street, <laughs> and you ran it out of gas, right? You just keep driving until it's out of gas. Then you would go, okay, it's out of gas now. You know, it won't go any further. Well, how do you get it to move again? Well, you got to put gas in it. They want the body to work the opposite of that. They want you to run it out of gas and keep running it efficiently. It doesn't
0: work. Yeah. So so on that, like you say, when people are in Weight Watchers, it works, but then they hit their target and then they stop and then they go back. As a sort of, um, uh, to put it in inverted commas, like um, fitness coach to the stars, what do you think is the difference between being somebody's accountability partner and getting them fit and strong or, or whatever they want um, versus the likes of a, a one-size-fits-all program, which works temporarily
2: (laughs) well when
1: you look at celebrities you know i worked with a lot of celebrities over a lot of years they don't care how the sausage is packed Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know they just need to look a certain way yeah if they have to get a a, a screaming ass eight pack for a movie they don't care like if you know when their agent says you're going to see this guy Vinny." And you're going to do everything he says. They don't question that at all. Now, today we have some of these little pissant celebrities. I I don't eat meat. or I don't eat this. It's like, well, go find another trainer Mm. because I I can't get you there. My job is to get you there. A studio is paying you and me a lot of money to get you there in eight weeks. And I can't do it. You know, if you're not going to listen to every word I have to say. And if I say you have to ingest a lot of animal and a lot of animal fat and hit the gym good two or three hours a day, that's what we have to do. And if you're not willing to do it, then I'm not your guy. Mm-hmm. You could do it the good old-fashioned way and just go snort a lot of Coke off of some hooker's <laughs> ass. And, you know, that works. But, you know, th- that's what I deal with a lot of times, you know. Um, now, the regular person that doesn't have a job coming up in two months, where they're going to get paid $5 million or $10 million, they might take a more laxed approach. It's much more difficult to motivate the average person. You see the difference? Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. 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 And, and so, so from a sort of um, foundations perspective, why do you believe, and it's obvious to me, but why do you believe that? hey, we're working our ass off here, we need to fuel it. And the best way to fuel it is with animal products, which have plenty of protein that you're going to need to be well, to be strong, to do it, and plenty of animal fat to drive it. Why, why do you believe that works?
1: Well, when you really look at it, you know, we talk about three macronutrients, fat, mm-hmm. carbohydrates, and proteins, right? And throughout history, we go, all right, carbohydrates, that's, that's what gives you the energy. The sugar and the fat sugar gives you energy. Protein, well, that, that's the building block for muscles and bones and everything else, ligaments. And, you know, we need that. We need those amino acids for protein. And fat, well, fat used to be, we just called it fuel. Mm. Yeah, it's like, well, fat, you know, you take in less fat because it doesn't burn as fast. And the whole thing, that's how that whole calorie and calorie out myth came around. You know, fat doesn't burn. The number of kcals in, in fat is, you know, more dense than it is. You know, well, that's where we ran into trouble because, in fact, our body does not like to store fat, mm. right? But if we, if, if we take in too much carbohydrate, too much sugar, you know, we'll top off our liver, we'll top off our blood, we'll top off our muscles, and you can top all of those off for less than two tablespoons of sugar in your body, and you can get that from almost anywhere, including protein, because if, if you don't synthesize all your protein and use it as a building block, uh, a process called gluconeogenesis will come in and <clears throat> convert it to sugar, and then it, it will top off your sugar stores that way. So, if you look at it like that, we only really need two macronutrients. We need fat and protein. Mm. The problem with fat is that it's called fat. <laughs> you know, if we called it the macronutrient energy and we, we were taking it instead of fat, we are taking in energy and protein, nobody would have a problem. It's like, oh, where did you get your energy from? I just ate a bunch of energy. <laughs> you, know? you know, Because that whole you are what you eat thing, well, you eat fat, you get fat. And that's not the truth. If you eat energy, well, I just ate a bunch of energy. I'm stoked. I'm ready to go. Well, what are you going to build? you got to rebuild your muscle. i got some protein. You see, you don't really even need the third macronutrient. And that's just a fact. Uh, You know, I have nothing. As I tell everyone, look around. I don't sell anything. Yeah. yeah I have a vitamin company I don't tell anyone they need my vitamins to be healthy. I have a coffee company I never tell anyone you must drink my coffee or anyone's coffee to be healthy. That would be a lie right We could be healthy without any of that stuff. Now I'm a believer in taking vitamins getting a little extra you know vitamin N you know, the 13 essentials. Uh, that's why I take them but I never tell anyone in order for you to be you know, maximum healthy you must take my vitamins. You know, I, I just don't have that in me. But I will tell you, you must take in macronutrients. You must take in energy, which is fat, and you must take in protein. And that will give you everything you need. Carbohydrates is neither here nor there.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good way of looking at it. <laughs> that's it. Actually, it's when, when you sit down and, and you have breakfast, and if you uh, have bacon and eggs, and, and I, I even think they're like, this is, this is fuel. And you get to lunchtime and say, you're working through, there's, there's nothing wrong with working through and you can make it to dinner time and, and you're fine. Should you have a bunch of cereal, you get to work and you're hungry again. <laughs> like you say, well, that taps it off. Yeah, yeah that, that
1: should tell you everything you need to know. You know. We had a joke when I was a kid in this country, what do you need 30 minutes after you eat a Chinese meal? Well, you need another meal. You know, because Chinese meal is nothing but carbohydrate and sugar. And it just prompts you to want to eat more. You know, the ghrelin and leptin gets released. And even though you still have a stomach full of food, you think you're starving. Mm. Right? Your brain goes, oh, my God, Ryan is starving. I got to feed him some more. I'm going to make him feel hungry. And you still have all that Chinese food in your stomach. The same thing happens with cereal and milk, you know. If you have any kind of low-fat milk or even... Regular fat milk is a lot of carbohydrates in there, and you add sugary cereal, you're, it's a disaster. And you're right. You eat two or three eggs and some bacon, you, lunchtime will come and go, and you're going to go, what did, what did I have for lunch? Oh, that's right. I didn't have lunch. You know, you're still stoked from the energy and the protein you had for breakfast.
0: Mm-hmm. Mate, um, they their name Tortorich, what's, what's, what's your heritage?
1: Uh, Italian, Sicilian. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my family's name was Tortorisi and some of us changed it. I think when they came here from Italy, uh someone stamped you know, the I must have been smeared or something. So half my family spells it I C I and my half spells it I C H. And I thought Tortorisi sounded less like some kind of Italian dish. <laughs> so I just I went, Okay, I'll just stick with this way, you know, I'm I'm an American anyway. Yeah. But, uh, when I go back to Italy, people oh, tattarisi. Oh, okay, come on, man, we'll give you some free food.
0: So on that sort of heritage stuff, you know, the, the, the pizza and the pasta, what, what's the reality, man?
1: <laughs> the reality is we shouldn't eat pizza and pasta. <laughs> and, and by the way, you know, I, I'm Italian, and I grew up in, a, in an Italian home, and, and a lot of my relatives from the old country were in the house all the Jardinas, you know, and the Tripodis. My, gra- my great-grandmother from the old country. Pasta was kind of like a little side dish. Mm-hmm. It was always like a big piece of fish or a big piece of meat, you know, like rump roast or something cheap that they could get, you know, because we were poor. And then yeah, there would be a vegetable, and if they couldn't round out the plate, they would cook a little pasta. It would be a little pasta on the plate, you know, or a little polenta. You know, something like that. They were just put on the plate, but and we didn't eat, like a lot of times. It was, I'm not going to eat them. I don't want to fill up on that. I want to get this meat. Even as a kid, you kind of knew this was the important
2: thing, the mm-hmm. meat thing. You know? So, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I'm always fascinated when you you see shift shows sort of go to go to Italy and it's like the olive oil, the 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 pork, which you know just you know cured for forever and made to taste amazing. And, and like you say, the, the cheap cuts that are braised and stuff and, and with uh, meat, you know, Bolognese is actually a meat sauce. It's not actually about the tomatoes, it's about the meat and, yeah. and, and you know, Parmigiano, all that sort of stuff and, and sardines and fish, like you say. It's like, God, this, this pizza pasta stuff is, is uh, I don't know, blasphemous, I guess. <laughs>
1: well, look, pizza was literally, I, I, from what I understand, it wasn't even an Italian thing. It was more of a United States thing. We kind of created it here yeah. and sent it back to Italy pretty much. <laughs> That's my understanding of it. But I don't know how that works. And you know, we, we took pasta, the Italians took pasta from China, something like that. You know, it's like it, you know, Marco Polo came back and said, Hey, they're boiling bread over there and it comes out like this, you know? And <laughs> the Italians went, like, well, Really? All right, our peasant people might like some of that. Let's give it to them.
0: Let's let's wrap up that uh, little bit of um, ground ground waste meat and, and make, make ravioli.
1: <laughs> it really is peasant. I mean, y- you know, the the you know, you ever hear pasta puttanesca?
0: No, no. Explain. It's
1: pasta puttanesca. Think of it. putta. It's the it's, it's horse pasta.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like this is what the whores ate. You mm-hmm. know, it, because it's a very cheap dish in this country. You know, They'll serve it to you for twenty two bucks a, a plate. But it's basically just tomato sauce over pasta, putta, you know, pasta puttanesca. And the first time I heard that, because I grew up in an Italian home, I'm like, are they saying pasta for the sluts? I mean, you know, because I never really heard it. I grew up on a bayou, and I moved to New Orleans, and I went to a restaurant. Hey, we have a special, like pasta puttanesca. I said, what, 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 (laughs) what?
0: I think I, this? I think I need to get a little little further through my uh, Duolingo to to uh, to get to that one. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's you know, that, you know, poor people. You know, the rich people ate. You know, they always said, you know, let the poor people eat cake. Let them eat cake. You know, that that's where that comes from. You know, give them bread. Give them something to chop on, so they're not starving. We'll eat the meat over here.
0: Yeah, mate. So um, obviously you've you've done the movie now the, the movie that the people wanted. <laughs> yeah. What what next or is, is it just back to normal life, the podcast and and working with the people? <laughs> I,
1: I guess it is. I mean I don't know. You know. It's funny because everyone's calling me going, "Hey, we have this project," and I'm like, "You realize I'm I'm just a, a guy working out of my basement, right?" I mean. And, uh, you know, I look around and go, yeah, I want to do something else. I just don't know what it is. You know, uh, you know, I I was thinking maybe in my mind, maybe doing like eight or 10 part series instead of just hitting one part of health, you know, I I could come up with 10 different, you know, hit on this 30 minutes, hit on that 30 minutes, boom, boom, boom. And just sell it to Hulu or Netflix or something like that. And you go, here you go. Mm. you know, yeah, as a as I said when I was talking to Pete, um, your guy Pete uh, Evans. Yeah. Evans. Sorry, I keep wanting to say Pete Davis. <laughs> I said, you know, we started laughing about it on my show. I was like, yeah, everyone's asking me what I'm going to do with all the uh, <laughs> the documentary money. I was like, <laughs> you don't make any real money from documentaries, you know. Um, you you make some money, but it, it, it's it's a labor of love, and I think if some of these companies came up with a nice sized check, which they can easily do and say, Hey, we know that a bazillion people are going to watch it because a, billion, a bazillion people are watching it right now. Here's a check. You can make a few bucks and it's going to cost you X amount to go make it. And if it was worth my while, I would do it tomorrow. You know, I would just start production. I'd call I don't know if Peter wants to do another one, but I will start production tomorrow and do it. Um, But everybody wants me to do it and then they'll pay me for it. Well, I got to go make a living. I got to go sell vitamins. I got to (laughs) go, I got to sell coffee. I got a day job, you know. Um, I got to go do that. The rest of it, I always tell people the thing I do all day long is my hobby, you know, helping people on the internet. You know, doing all the stuff, you know, all the before and afters you see and the podcast. We do five shows a week, you know, fitness confidential podcasts is, is a full time job. Mm-hmm. And it employs a ton of people, you know, and I don't get paid from it. You know, I don't make I don't make any money from it. Luckily enough people go to Amazon and click through, and we have a few sponsors and that seems to pay for it. But it doesn't put money in my pocket by any stretch of the imagination, um, which I'm kind of happy. You know, it's like I, I wish I could make a few bucks on it. And if I if I fired a few people, I could make a few bucks, but then I would have to do all that work. <laughs> um, and it wouldn't be worth my time.
2: Mm.
1: You know, so it's kind of a, a weird <clears throat> kind of thing that we do. Yeah. I do this for free all day long and then I, I make my money on vitamins and coffee. <laughs>
0: Mate, um, how this you know, conversation came about was, you, you put out, the, the uh, I don't know, someone said, put Vinnie Totorich on Joe Rogan show, and, and I said, mate, if, while, while, while we wait for that, I'll, I'll, I'd love to have a yarn because I love, love the film, and, and I've been following on Twitter, and I love, love what you have to say, but um, would you, just, just, as you said, no one would come on and debate you, what, what, would, what would you sort of call out on, on, on the likes of that sort of platform?
1: Um. Yeah, I would do Joe's show. Uh, uh, You know, he's never asked. Um, And anyone uh, here, I'll tell you the truth. We, I've said this before, but I haven't said it in a while. Joe, you know, when my book came out like seven years ago, I was trying to you know get anyone who would have me on. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. I ended up doing Adam Carolla show, Dr. Drew, and all these other famous podcasts. And we called Joe Rogan, and he he was like, you know, hard pass. And we were like, well, okay, Uh, you know, that's fine. And about a year later, someone said to me, man, your book is a big deal, you know, and why don't you go on Rogan? Rogan would love this book. And I said, yeah, I don't think he knew who I was a year ago. So I got my, I had people by then. I had my people. And his producer said, yeah, send us a book. And they said, "Then they want a book. And my, my guy sent the book out that night. Before they got the book, they wrote back to my guy and said, yeah, we're going to pass on this guy. <laughs> we, we don't want him on. It's funny because, and we've asked him, I think, another time after that. Um, he's had almost every guest I've ever had on my show on his show.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, almost every doctor I've had on my show has been on his show. He's had everyone on except me. And I don't know if – I know I've never offended him because I've always been a Joe Rogan fan. I've always – way back before anyone knew who he was, I loved his comedy. And I'm talking about back in the 90s, Mm. you know, before he was ever on television or anything else. I was a big fan of what he was doing. Uh, Really funny stuff. So I don't know what his beef is or if he even has a beef. You know, I can't imagine he doesn't know my name Mm-hmm. Because my name gets brought up to him constantly and people tweet at him from what I could tell almost every day. So I, I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. Does he ever tweet back? I don't see it.
0: No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, he,
1: he, you know, it's like radio silence. People are going, hey, Joe, what about Vinny?
0: Nothing. Mm. No, yeah. I think, I think uh, what, he, what he does or what his Twitter does is just really good to take the cool thing. Uh, it's kind of almost like a, a presence I guess <laughs> but wow. I don't I don't think I don't think he's on it or or whatever and, he, and even his Instagram is, is sort of variable and, and here's the show and here's the podcast so which is which is fun you know like social social media is a, is a beast
1: <laughs> yeah I look I, I as you know I spend a lot of time on Twitter every day because I like helping people and uh know yeah, I get goofed on a lot and that kind of thing i don't, I don't care you know if, if I'm helping one guy or one woman every day that's I'm good yeah i I don't have to do more than that yeah you
0: know? so so where do, where do people find you uh, there any would we, we both took in the time we, we better get you, get you on because you've you got to get away where do people find you and and enjoy those gyms
1: um meaning the uh the movie
0: the movie Twitter anywhere else
1: <laughs> okay the movie is everywhere. It's on iTunes. <clears throat> you can rent it or buy it there. You can rent uh, it on Amazon. You can also buy Blu-ray or DVD from Amazon, or if you have Amazon Prime, at least in the United States, um, and some other countries. I think Canada. I don't know about you guys, but it's an Amazon Prime, so if you have Prime, it's free. Um It is on 65 different VODs around the world. So if you live in in some area out in the middle of Zimbabwe and you want to watch it, you can do that just by finding the correct VOD. Uh, It's on several airliners now. People have called me from Malaysia. People have called me from uh, some other Chinese airlines. I know it's on some Canadian airlines. It's on United and, and I think American in this country. I could be wrong. Um, uh, I know Alaska has it. As a matter of fact, Alaska had that movie. It, it had my movie, Fat Documentary. It also had two movies that my wife was in um, James Bond, The World Is Not Enough, and uh, also Inherent Vice. So we were represented three times on one airline in my house. So that was kind of neat. Uh, so. Yeah, it's everywhere. And my podcast is called Fitness Confidential Podcast. You can get that on iTunes. My book is called Fitness Confidential. You can get it on Amazon. It's sold a gazillion copies on Amazon over the years. And you can find me if you want free advice. Uh, you can find me on, on I, uh, Where am I on Twitter?
2: Twitter.
1: I also have. There's a Facebook group with my name on it. They're really cool, um, called Vinnie Tartarich's No Sugars, No Grains. And once a month you'll find me on Adam Carolla and whenever I get a chance, I, I do Drew Pinsky show, Dr. Drew Pinsky. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of out there, I guess you can say. And if you really want to hear me, you find me on Ryan O'Connor podcast. What's it called,
0: Ryan? The stag roll, mate. Uh, that, that That's yeah. my, that's my nickname. And, uh, yeah, it's about being loud and, and sharing a message. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no,
1: I, I really appreciate what you're doing, man. And, um, so go check out this pocket. I've been on the show once before, right? All right. No, is, no, no, no. First, first time. First time. It's awesome. I thought I thought I've been on once before. <laughs> no, it's uh. <laughs> we need to get you. Uh, we need to get you on my show. Yeah, on man. A That'd be
0: awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> Do me a favor. You have my email address, right? Yeah. On Monday of this, well, my Monday, not your Monday, it would be your Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, write to me and say, hey, Mike, as you guys say. Uh, <laughs> hey, Mike, would you come on? Would you, would you have me on your Saturday show? <laughs> Mike, do that.
0: Yeah, I will. That, that's a uh, good Australasian hybrid exit, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've,
2: what?
1: I've been to Christchurch, Rotorua. I've been to Auckland. Nice. Down to Milford Sound,
0: oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that's, it down there; yeah, it's beautiful. That's that's near where I'm from, mate. Um, there's lots of guys uh doing loading shotgun shells down there as well. Actually, quite a lot over, all over New Zealand. Um, really, come, come come May, it's uh, a lot of people lose their wives. <laughs> I lose <laughs> their husband. Lose their husband. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <I'll> go <laughs> god, mate. Um, before we go, what, what's something that you would leave people with? Um. A, a sort of a quote, or something that you live your life by, something that hasn't done you wrong, and that continues to show up as as the, your truth, basically, you or the right thing.
1: I tell everybody the same thing. A couple of things, um, you know, uh, don't worry about your IQ. Worry about your FQ, mm-hmm. your failure quotient. The number of times you can fail and come back. You, you you might fail in your health or your diet. As long as you're breathing, you could come back. You could do better. Yeah, don't, don't worry about that, that IQ, worry about that FQ. And as long as you can do that, you'll
0: do fine in life. Awesome. That's the, that's the first time I've ever heard that. So, so thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah, And, and thank you, and I'll, and I'll flick you an email on Tuesday and uh, say, hey, mate. <laughs> hey, mate. Yeah, awesome. Hey, have, hi, a, mate. have a wonderful evening over there and uh, look forward to doing the flip side. Uh, Ryan, thanks for having me on legend cheers how about that that's the value of podcasting and talking with amazing people having a great conversation you learn something your fq your ability to come back from failure and i guess that's something that you've got to really tap into if you're going to have the courage to go out there and take that first step and live that life it's a little less ordinary Um, you're going to have naysayers and you're going to stuff it up. (laughs) I think I'm still stuffing it up. Uh, Even when it comes to waking up in the morning. Today, I nailed it. Tomorrow, I'm going to try and nail it again. Um, Going to bed. You need to nail that so then tomorrow getting up is a lot easier. But hey, let's stuff it up. Um, Diet, as he says, we're always going to not be inverted commas perfect, but you know your ability to get back on track, course correct, carry on, follow that why, follow that purpose, um, that'll keep you going. So yeah, your ability to get up again from those failures, learn from them as well, is always handy. Um, and yeah, moving on forward, that's that's really really cool. And, and you know, 115 episodes in, I'm still learning stuff, which of course is one of the ideas about living less ordinary is you've got to always have that growth mindset, always be open to new learnings. And and yeah, that's what many people that we've had on this podcast have reiterated that ability to always learn, always uh, be open to the possibilities. Um, And then I guess on the flip side, when it comes to fat, the documentary, uh, our documentary, sorry, have a real look at what's the message that's being sent to you. Um, And yeah, I think, I think that's really, really cool. Like like Finis says, he recommends supplements, he takes supplements, he sells supplements, but you don't have to take his one. Um, it's just there. Yeah, he's, he's a real cool guy, and I respect him immensely, and I think it's pretty amazing that no one's bothered to try and uh, rebut or refute or, or critique about a documentary. I was, I was really surprised about that. Um, make sure you watch it. It's fantastic. Uh, and of course, I bring you the podcast through a supplement that I endorse, uh, and it's Exogenous Ketones from Prove It. Um, it is available as a ketone salt that helps you to get into ketosis in under half an hour. I especially rate this as a powerful tool for anybody trying to recover from traumatic brain injury, and on the flip side, to protect uh, and mitigate the effects, especially if you 're in a sport like rugby or any high collision sport where you might uh, you know, where the risk of concussion is higher uh, I think that 's a really powerful place for the ketone salts also the fasting protocol the sixty hour reboot, which is assisted fasting there 's so many benefits of fasting, and there's so many you know people um, renouncing the beauty of fasting uh, peter Otea, who who I listened to plenty. Um, what is he? he's got a t shirt that says fasting, autophagy that's right, which is the effects of fasting. It sells uh, C E L L S itself. I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. So, yeah, um, prove it off as the 60 hour reboot. There's also uh, keto protein, so a slightly more ketogenic protein um, supplementation, MCT oil, which is great for supplementing things, um, and the keto creamer as well. If you're into your bulletproof coffees, those are two great products. Um, and there's a wide range of flavors in the keto net, so just head over to the website. That's w a i k e t zero dot p r u v i t n o w dot com. That's Waikito with a zero dot proveitnow dot com, and check it out. Check out all that's available, and yeah, just um, order what you like. It's it's really really simple. It's straightforward. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I've already got one more to come. If you've been following along at the stag or on Instagram, you would have seen I'd managed to. Uh, being out two this weekend, so you have to wait till next week for that. Thanks so much for your feedback. The, feed- the feedback that's been coming in of late has just been immense and so powerful. Thank you so much. If you find time to give us a rating on iTunes, that would be hugely helpful. And, yeah, hopefully I uh, can jack up and s- s- talk with Vinny very shortly. I'll be sending him that email saying, G'day, mate. <laughs> G'day, mate. As, as, as we say yeah, we're here in New Zealand. And yeah, hopefully I can share some of the um, things that I've learned from the side of the ditch um, and apply a optometry lens um, and a little bit of sports experience lens that I have uh, to this amazing topic that is our life, our wellness, our health, our mental capacity here. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Cheers.